why don't you go ahead and turn to Mark's gospel, chapter number 10. And we're going to read verses 1 down to verse number 12. Mark's gospel, chapter number 10. And we're going to read verses 1 down to verse number 12. And if you will, just go ahead and stand to your feet one more time. Amen. In honor of God's word. Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for your word. Then he arose from there and came to the region of Judea by the other side of the Jordan. And multitudes gathered to him again. And as he was accustomed, he taught them again. The Pharisees came and asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him. And he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. In the house, his disciples asked him, Again, about the same matter. So he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for once again the privilege and the honor of uh, taking your word into our system today. Father God, you said that you are the bread of life. You said if any man eats this bread, he will never hunger again. So Father, we thank you for your word, for it is instructional. It gives us uh, direction. It gives us a sense of purpose. Father, it gives us understanding. And so Lord God, we bow before your word this morning, God. And Father God, our hearts are bowed, our minds are bowed, because we are determined to do what you say in your word. Lord, your word is light, and it is life. It quickens, it makes alive. Your word is good for us. And God, we gladly take it in today. And so God, I pray for a heart that is open I pray for minds that they will be sharp today. Father, I pray, God, that you would speak through me. I'm just your servant. Use me for your glory. Guide my thinking, guide my mind, that the thing that I speak, Father, will be inspired of the Holy Spirit and no further. And so, God, we thank you for this purpose, for this time. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us understanding in all things. And so, Lord, we bow to your word right now. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated in the Lord's presence this morning. I, we are continuing our series, Stay Together. And uh, this is the fourth 
part of our series and the last part of our series. And uh, we have been talking about marriage all month. And what's been incredibly amazing is that when you really start to unveil the scripture and start to meditate on things in a very fresh way, it's amazing how God will just uh, reawaken some things in you. And so I've learned a lot, even while I have been teaching, just by digging into God's word a little bit further. And so the first week we talked about the origin of marriage and its purpose. I think we got a good understanding of what the foundation of marriage is, which is ultimately to represent Christ and his church. As Paul said, that it is a great mystery. But this is what marriage foundationally and ultimately is all about. Uh, We took a look at the husbands. We call husbands to godly, authentic leadership. That means not leadership that demands, not leadership that abuses, not leadership that takes advantage, but leadership that takes the initiatives, uh, the initiative in loving our wives as Christ loved the church, as we spoke to the husband a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we called the wives uh, to submit to their husbands. We talked about the fact that submission oftentimes in our society is a dirty word, but nevertheless, it's not a dirty word in God's eyes, and we I reiterated the fact that when submission and headship are operated according to the scripture, that is actually a beautiful thing. It's magnificent. And so we called our wives last week to not uh, resist uh, submission, but to submit to your husband in essence means that you are submitting to the Lord because you are to submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. And so we called the wives to do this. We called the wives back to this place and that she is supposed to be a woman that affirms her husband's leadership. And this is really the foundational uh, as, we, as it relates to marriage, that we understand this. And today we're going to talk about a subject <laughs> that I tried really, really hard to avoid. It's kind of like the, uh, the elephant in the room. You know, there's a big old elephant is in the room, and you're trying to do everything you can to avoid it. And so I wanted to avoid this subject, uh, but as I begin to understand the, the title of the series, for, the, for, for example, it's Stay Together. <laughs> and so we could not avoid talking about this issue of divorce. Now, what I want you to really capture, and I want you to learn from this, is, is what God's word says about the issue. I'm absolutely amazed of how many people who do not really understand or taking the time to really know and understand what God's word says about the issue of divorce. I understand and I know uh, that divorce is a very, very difficult thing. I have never met a person uh, that have gone through a divorce Uh, that has not expressed uh, a very, very deep sorrow, anguish of heart. It's painful. The ramifications of divorce affects generations. Generations. This is something that our society today, uh, when we look at the sacred institution of marriage, People getting married on a whim. I mean, if, if you were to right now would go online, not right now, please, I want you to listen. But if you were to go online, and, and you can see online where they actually say that, that, that you, can, you can get a divorce for 29 bucks in five days, 10 days, just Google it. I mean, they're making divorce so easy, like, like marriage is just something like brushing your teeth. That you just kind of walk in, and when you get sick and tired of it, when things are not working, I just walk right out of it. 
And so our world today have a very flippant attitude when it comes to marriage. You ever hear people getting married in Vegas? You know, they just meet a person in Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Everybody knows that's a lie. Amen? You know that's a lie right off the top. Nothing stays nowhere as long as God is king. And last time I read, he's always king. Nothing is in secret. And so people go and they meet a person on a whim. Hey, you know what? We had a great time. Let's just get married. They stay married for about a good six, seven months. And then they divorce and think nothing of it. And I believe, I firmly believe that the church, you've heard me say this over and over and over and over again, that Jesus said that you, I, we are the light of the world. So the church must lead in the area of morality. The church must set the pace. We must, we must not adopt the customs and the attitudes and the ways of thinking because how many know that we understand where marriage came from? We understand, we as Christians, we know that it's sacred. We know that we are accountable to a holy God. We know that man did not create this institution. So we cannot have a cavalier attitude, and we must demand that our society take note of what God has to say about this issue of divorce. I have a very conservative view about divorce. Let me just start by saying that. Why do I have a conservative view? Because I believe that as I read the text in the Bible, God has a very, very conservative view about divorce. We're going to talk about some things today. I'm going to say some things, and it may initially rub you the wrong way. I beg you this morning, don't turn me off. Don't say, well, you know what, at this point, I don't want to hear anymore. I'm just asking you to give it a fair shot and hear the whole sermon. I want you to be discerning. I want you to open your Bible. I want you to read with me. Today, we are going to think a little bit. We're going to look at the text because how many know it does not matter what I say? It does not even matter what I think. Are you hearing me? It is what God's word says. How many of you love God's word? I said, how many of you love God's word? Come on. We love God's word. And so God's word is the final authority. I marvel because people sometimes, they want me to say things, and I can never, ever go against what is written because this thing is going to last forever. Are you hearing me? And so we ought to take heed to it because how many know that anything God has for us is good? Because he's a good God. He's a good God. And so we cannot cheapen the institution of marriage, and we cannot allow people to think that they can just simply walk away after they've made a covenant. Marriage is about covenant. So we're going to discover three things today. We're going to look at three points of my sermon. I don't think I'm going to be too long today. I really do believe that. Um, three things I want to look at. God's feelings about divorce, and we're going to look at it from a scriptural standpoint. We're going to look at grounds for divorce, all right? What qualifies for divorce and when it's right to remarry? Now, so if you're sitting here and you have breath in your body, trust me, this is applicable to everybody. Because at some place, some point in your life, you're probably going to go down this road. And so you want to be clear of what God has to say about it. You want to be clear. So turn with me to Malachi, chapter number 2. 
And we're going to start reading in verse number 13. Malachi chapter number 2. I'm going to start reading in verse number 13. Just to kind of set this up for you a little bit here, the priests, the leaders of that day, was uh, just offering God all kind of weak worship. What I mean by weak was their heart weren't, wasn't in what they were doing. Uh, they were simply going through the motions. And so God spent the first half of the book of Malachi talking to the leaders of that day about their attitudes about worship. But then he turns around here in the verses that I'm about to show you, and he seems to, to kind of go off course, but he really isn't going off course because God looks at it all as one thing. How many know that your worship is more than you singing and raising your hands on Sunday? Your worship has to do with your lifestyle. Hear this. If you want to be a good worshiper, get your life in check. Now, so here in verse 13, watch this. So here are the priests, they're crying out to God. Oh God, they're crying, tearful. They're, they're, they're crying out to God. But look what it says in verse 13. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore. How many know that's a bad place to be when God don't regard your offering? Nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Here it is. Watch this now. Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth. How many know that God pays attention to our marriages? He is looking. God is watching. He says, now, with whom you have dealt treacherously. In other words, God said, I got a problem with the way you've been treating your wife. You've dealt treacherously with her. In fact, in those days, that oftentimes they would come and they would want to get a divorce for any reason. Well, you know what? You gain weight. I don't like you no more. Well, you know what? You used to be attractive. You know what? I'm turned off. So oftentimes, they would just want to walk out of marriages. That's why the disciples, I'm sorry, not the disciples, but the Pharisees came up to Jesus and said, is it lawful to, for a man to write a certificate of divorce? We're going to come back to that in a second. Because they would divorce for nothing. So here's what is happening here in this passage. He's talking about treacherously, not just the way that the spouse is being treated, but he's also, he's dealing with this issue of the fact that folks are walking out of their marriages. Look, look what he says here. Yet she is your companion. Watch this. And your wife by covenant. Everybody say covenant. Covenant is only to be broken by death. Covenant. Think about the term Covenant. I want you to hold on with that for a second. We're going to come back to that. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the spirit? And why one? Watch this. He seeks a godly offspring. Oh, come on. Y'all walk with me in this. What you and I must understand is that, that our marriages has an effect on the generations, our children and our children's children. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about? Perhaps some of you, you've been affected by that in some way. And he says, God says, I made them one because I'm seeking a godly offspring. It's more than just what you think. It's more than about just your feelings. It is more than that. It's about life. But let's keep reading. He says, verse 15, but he did not, but did he not make them one having a remnant of the spirit? And while one, he seeks a godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none of you deal treacherously or recklessly with the wife of his youth. Verse 16. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. I want that to settle. You want to know what God thinks about divorce? He hates it. It's not what Pastor Bailey said. It's not my opinion. God hates divorce. For it covers one's garment, listen to this, with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Now, even people that I have known, and this is just me living this life, there's a kind of violence that happens when a divorce occurs. It's a blow, it's a gaping wound. It's painful. It's hard. It rips apart families. It shocks the emotions. It's the breeding ground for unforgiveness and bitterness. Divorce is like a ripping away. It's, it's violent. Even if a person was saying, I want out, I want out, and they can't wait to get out. Even that person, I had someone one time cry to me, and they talked to me on the phone for a long time. I said, Pastor, me and my wife didn't divorce. Same individual had been telling me for almost two years that his marriage wasn't working. For two years. He'd been talking. I've been ministering to him. I've been talking to him. And he, and he talks to me on the phone. And he's, he's crying. He's, he, he's crying. And then, and then come to find out as I talk to him, here's a grown man who had been anxious to get out. But why are you on the phone crying? Why are you hurt? What's wrong? I mean, I thought that's what you wanted, brother. I didn't say this to him. I'm just, I thought that's what you want. I said that to say that anytime divorce happens, something dies. Because you're intertwined. It's spiritual. It's not just a thing that we do. It's not what Hollywood portrays it to be. You know the soap operas, they're in and out. You know the television shows today. Marriage is a joke. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Marriage is a joke. And I believe that God is going to hold a people accountable for how we deal in marriage. And I believe the judgment must first begin with the house of God. Because us leaders at times, we haven't articulated and been a voice for God the way that we ought to be. Bible says, go back to Mark chapter number four. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10. Stay with me. Stay with me. So we understand that God hates divorce. 
He wants us to avoid it at all costs. Look at this. This is, this is a little bit deep. But I want to try to articulate it in a way that you can easily catch it. In Mark chapter number four, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse number four, look at this. They said to Moses, they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and dismiss her. So they're coming to Jesus. Listen to this. And Jesus, how many know Jesus was shrewd? Uh, they're always trying to trip Jesus up. They're always, you know, they're, they're wanting to get Jesus to stumble so that they can go back to the Sanhedrin and everybody else and tell them that Jesus is teaching against the laws of Moses. So all, they're not coming to Jesus because they really want to know. They're trying to trap him. Because many of them also will walk out of their marriages. And so they wanted to kind of justify themselves as well. But look at this. And they asked a question. And Jesus answered and said to them, watch this, verse 5. Don't miss this. Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. Watch this. But from the beginning of creation, listen to this, God made them male and female. All right? And verse number eight, and the two shall become one flesh so that they are no longer two, but one. You see, this is why it hurts so much when divorce happens, because no matter what happens, when it happens, it hurts because there's a ripping apart. There's a destruction that comes behind it. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So Jesus now, so Jesus He's listening. And here's what Jesus says. He says, but from the beginning, it was not so because Moses only allowed divorce for one reason. Not because God wanted it. Not because God wanted to free people. For one reason. Because your hearts wasn't right. And he knew that you would not obey the Lord. This is what Jesus is saying. He said, Moses allowed you to do that, not because God was wanting it to happen, but because your hearts are evil. And I know he knew that you wouldn't follow it, so he allowed it to happen. But Jesus didn't even, Jesus could have left it there, but he did not even leave it there. He goes on to say, there, therefore, what God has joined together, hear this, let no man separate. I want you to think about that for a moment. Let that settle in. What God has joined together, what God, God, what God, what God has joined together. Let not man, M-A-N, human, separate. Now, understand something. When a couple decides to get married, you have the man, you have the woman. I said the man and the woman. That's the way God ordained it. And the church said amen to that. A man and a woman. But you know, when the man and the woman are there, and the priest, the pastor, the justice, whatever it is that you want to call it, how many know that no priest, no pastor, no man has the capacity to join anybody together in spirit? Can't do it. Not my, not my thing. I can officiate a ceremony. <laughs> you know, I can, we, can, we can recite our vows, but the joining together, that doesn't come from the pastor, the priest, or the person. That comes from God. So, so, here's, what, so here's what he said. He said, so what God has 
join together. Let not man separate. So man has no business and no authority separating what God has joined together. Are you still with me? Say amen. Listen to this. So what God, Jesus doesn't even stop there. He says something that I'm sure that's, that's rocking everybody across the world who, who's here and who's listening to this CD. Look at verse number, number, number 11. So he said to them, whoever divorces his wife marries another, commits adultery against her. Hear that. Divorce his wife, go off and marry somebody else. Jesus says, that's adultery. Look at this, verse number 12. So he says it for the man, he says it for the woman. If a woman divorces her husband and she marries another, she commits adultery. Now, let me ask you a question. How can Jesus say such a thing when two people who were married decided that they didn't, no longer wanted their marriage to work, and so they go to the justice of the peace or whoever, and they, 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 they get that certificate to say, you're free? How can Jesus still make this statement? Because in his eyes, the first marriage was still valid. Because it has nothing to do with man. See, this is where the church got to lead and understand. How many know that when we talk about covenant, you don't just make a covenant with the person you're looking into their eyes and you got the googly eyes and you're loving. You're not just making a covenant with them. You are supremely making a covenant with God. You made a covenant to God. Not just to that person, to God himself. That's why Jesus said that you committed adultery. Why he said that? Because even though you went and got a paper, even though they said you're divorced, in my eyes, you're still together. Now, that is really hard. Really hard. I get it. Hard for some people to grasp. I told you I really, really wanted to avoid the elephant in the room. But how many know that God is calling us as the people of God to a higher place. Now, so we understand how he feels about marriage. That if a person just wants to leave one spouse and go to another spouse without any biblical grounds to do so, we're going to cover grounds here in a second. Without any real biblical grounds, the way God see that, you committed a sin, you committed adultery according to what the scripture says. So what are grounds for divorce? There are two grounds for divorce that Jesus highlights. Two. One of them with, one of them with an asterisk, because there are some different points of view on this. But I think as my study of scripture, I think I'm accurate to Say two grounds. Now, Matthew 19.9. I want you to go to Matthew 19.9. Here's the first ground. Matthew 19.9. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, watch this, except for sexual immorality. Will you underline that in your Bibles? 
or highlighted on your PDAs. And marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. So what is the exception rule? He said, except for what? Sexual immorality. Fornication, that, sexual in, in, that, that word sexual in, immorality in the Greek means fornication. It means adultery. It covers the whole gamut. Illicit sex, all of that. That is grounds for divorce. All right? Jesus says, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. But if sexual immorality is in place, a person can, 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 at least from a scriptural standpoint, can gain, can get a divorce and not incur the penalty from God. Second case is cases of desertion of an unbeliever. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, verses 12 through 15. These are the only two grounds for divorce as I understand it in my study of scripture. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, Say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, <laughs> let him not divorce her. See, in other words, God still, even though that person is an unbeliever, God still sanctions that marriage. God still recognizes that marriage. He's let him not leave her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, but if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. So in a situation where an unbeliever says, Hey, you know what? I don't want to be in this marriage. I'm going to leave. I'm going to up. I'm going to get out of here. I'm done. Then the other spouse or the believing spouse is not to try to force the person to stay because Paul's saying basically if you try to force them, then the, you know, the relationship becomes more strenuous. And then he goes on to say in preceding verses that, that who knows whether or not you, you will end up saving your husband or your wife. Be, be, so you don't want to do anything that's going to fracture that. How many know you can't make somebody do something they don't want to do? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't force them, is what he's saying. So in the case of desertion, somebody just want out, not, not something that was motivated by you, just somebody, I want out, then you know what? That's another grounds for divorce. Now understand something. Just because divorce is permitted, it does not mean that we should quickly acquiesce to it. Here's, here's, here's a problem that the church makes overall. Well, people make, but I think the church too. Is that we see that escape clause and, and oh, that's it. That's my ticket out of here. <laughs> I'm good. Not understanding that from the beginning, what did Jesus say? From the beginning, it, God, God did not have divorce in mind. He wasn't thinking about divorce because marriage is meant to be permanent while you're here on this planet. That's the way he thought about it. He thought that marriage was to be. That's why Jesus said from the beginning, it wasn't that way. But because of the hardness of your heart, God said, okay, this is what I'm going to let you do it. I know God permitted, just because God permits certain things, don't mean he sanctioned it. See, see how many know that in the Bible, uh, uh, people were permitted 
to do polygamy. But it's not what God was necessarily sanctioning or wanting to happen. He permitted it. He permitted certain types of slavery, but it doesn't mean that it was his will. He wanted that done. But the hardness of men's heart and sin comes into the picture and we get tainted. And God is working with us. And so Jesus reminds us. I used to think of this with my mom who was, uh, as a young kid, I didn't know probably any Bible other than the basics, like Jesus died for my sins and he loves me. That's all I really knew. I remember my mother, um, I used to beg her to divorce my daddy. I won't get into the reasons for it, but man, I mean, I would, I would, in fact, I would go search the scriptures for her. Didn't even know much word. But I was like, Mom, here it is right here. here. You can do it right here, Mom. You can run. I did not understand. Why are you staying? I remember being mad because I hated what my daddy did to my mom. Hated it. Hated it. And my mom would say, okay, because she would always say, if, if I find a biblical reason, and, and I, would, I would hurry up and show it to her, she still wouldn't do it. Let me tell you why. Whether she fully engaged or understood this or not, my mom loved the Lord. I tell you that. My mom got her flaws, but my mom, one thing about my mama, she loves the Lord. And my mom, everything she ever did, she just loved the Lord. And my mom, I, I, can't, I don't want to do this because God has not released me to do that. She couldn't do it. She could not do it. So she stayed in that situation. We were separated. We were living on one side of town, and my dad was on the other side, doing this thing, running crazy, doing whatever. My mom stayed there because she understood that she made a covenant with God. Powerful woman. And what is the outworking of that covenant today? All five of her children today are walking with the Lord. The least likely to succeed on the block. Do you hear me? We, the Bailey family, were laughed and joked at. We're talking about a family, and I don't, want, I don't mean to get too personal here, but, but you talk about a family that had to go beg the neighbors for water because we had no running water. We couldn't even use the toilet. In a modern-day house, because lights and stuff were cut off, water pipes had a leak, we had to go beg. And so when people saw us come around, the kids were laughing. We were the laughing stock of the whole community. But now we are the righteousness in God, in Christ Jesus. And so when folks see us, they see the anointing all over us. Because, and and I don't mean, listen, I don't mean to talk about people. I'm just going to call it like I see it. Is it okay to call it like it? So when I see the folk that used to laugh at me, they, they're, 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 they're my age, but they look 80. Their lives are jacked up. They're messed up. And you would think that we were candidates to be nothings. But here we are today. Good God Almighty. A godless seed. I believe because my mother did the hard thing and she stayed. My dad died in 1987. And I believe that God honored her because she honored him. And I don't believe that her reward is going to be light. And one of her rewards today is she got a son that's standing behind this pulpit today preaching this wonderful gospel. Two sons. I'm just saying this pulpit, but we got one in Texas. Okay, so we're coming to a close here. So 
Here's a, here's a question that pops up. Well, Pastor, what do I do if I realize that I got a divorce and I had no biblical grounds to get a divorce? Do I now leave my current spouse and go back to the first one? Of course not. That would be foolish. No, you don't do that because that would be compounding the problem. But I want you to understand, how many know that we need to get the insight into what God thinks about it? God, Jesus, that marriage, that marriage, if it did not have biblical grounds to exist, that when they first did it, they committed the sin of adultery, according to what Jesus said. But it doesn't mean that they're to go back. It just means that they pray and they seek God and ask for God's cleansing, his healing, and God sanctions that marriage. And I've known of marriages that started off wrong, but they end up being a beautiful thing. God blessed it. So, no, we don't think that. And part of my reason for saying that, how many of you remember the, the woman of Samaria? <laughs> when she came <laughs> talking to Jesus and Jesus said, woman, <laughs> go get your husband. Yeah, I ain't got no husband. See, there some people think she was flirting with Jesus. And Jesus said, well, listen, listen. Uh, in fact, you've had five husbands, and the one you got now <laughs> is not even your husband. I perceive you're a prophet, you think? So, to Jesus, even though this woman had broken one marriage and got into another and got into another, even though these marriages might have been illicit, they might have been wrong in the beginning, Jesus still seemed to validate that those were legitimate marriages. There's no reason to think that a person that's remarried and even if they didn't have biblical grounds for it, that they are living in continuous adultery. No reason to think that. Even though in the beginning, probably shouldn't have happened, but it happened. But now the attitude is, we move on. And you look at your spouse, and you say to your spouse, honey, hear me. We are never, ever going to get a divorce. See, in my house, we have this rule that the D word is not permitted. From the very beginning, I'll never forget my pastor. Well, he wasn't my pastor. He was because I wasn't a part of a church, but as a church I was attending at the time, and I got saved during that time. And I, I'll never forget what he said to me. He, he, he you know, I, I give the rings out, and, we, and he talks about how the ring was a circle, and it represents a continuous thing. It's never to be broken. He says, he looked at me and he said, it better not be broken. I, everything, everything else that day was kind of cloudy to me, but I remember when he said that. He said, and it better not. Pastor Ola Moore said, and it better not be broken. So for me, <laughs> divorce is not even on the table. Well, you, let me tell you why. This is me personally. Because I understood that when I took my wife to the altar, that I made not just a covenant with her, I made it with God. And I, made, I knew full well what I was doing because I loved God at the time. I can't even claim I wasn't a Christian. Because <laughs> I might have a shot. Oh, I was saved, sanctified, filled with the whole, everything. Loving Jesus. God gave my life. I made a covenant with God. 
not just my wife, with God. How many know when you make a vow, you ought to keep it? God takes it very serious when we make vows. We say, how many know we got to be people of our word? See, you don't hear Mary spoken like this today because nobody wants to talk about this. You don't hear this. What you hear is, well, you tried, just, you know, go ahead, God will forgive you, just step on out of it. But nobody talks about the generational consequences and, 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 and what happens with that and, and how does God see it. You see, we said this before in conclusion. We said this before. Listen to me. Listen to me. Because I, because my, my main goal in, in bringing this series was to strengthen marriages and help us to gain a healthy fear of God as it relates to keeping our covenant. Because I wanted us to see bigger. See, if you're single and you're sitting here today, here's what you do. Choose, listen to me, choose your mate very carefully. Don't fall into the trap. Well, I'm getting old. I know a few people that have done that. And, you know, my baby years are waning really, really fast. I got to do something. Don't get married for that reason. You'll get yourself in trouble and you will regret it. Trust me, all the preliminaries and all the night. How many know that the honeymoon don't last forever in a marriage? <laughs> you know, after the honeymoon, there's work. Hard work. It's work. Very rewarding, don't get me wrong. But when you really think about it, marriage is a representation of Christ keeping his covenant with us. And so how many know that the church today, we're given a poor illustration of that? The church, the church is in a mess when it comes to this. And it's like we don't want to address it. But judgment must first begin at the house of God. We got to get our house in order. If you're married, you listen to this thing, this sermon today. I want, to, I want to challenge you. Take divorce off the table. It's not an option for me. Look at your spouse. Tell your spouse, honey, I know it's hard, I know it's tough, but I'm going to stay because this is bigger than you. Do whatever you got to do. Why? Because God says, I hate it. This series is about staying together. That's what this series is about. Don't adopt the customs of this world. Don't listen to what everybody else is saying. I've taken us back today to the word of God. My prayer today, that our marriages would be of strong marriages. And that we will pray that God will heal. Where healing needs to take place. I'm not sitting here in, in a, you know, foolish to think that every marriage is, is perfect or every marriage is without faults. Every marriage has its issues. Every one of marriages that I know of have issues. But how many of you believe in God's grace? How many of you believe in God's healing power? You put your trust in God. Don't put your trust even in your spouse. Don't trust your spouse. Trust God. Put your trust in God. You cannot do this in your own strength. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. So now we understand how God feels about divorce. I want you to work really, really hard at keeping your marriage together.
that you work overtime, that you give attention to it. In this particular sermon series, I had an opportunity to, I thought about addressing some things about how to keep the marriage, um, you know, uh, romantic and, and spicy and all that. So you can go back and look at my series from last year if you want to do that. But this year, the Lord wanted me to do more of a, uh, just kind of examining the text and seeing what God has to say about these issues. So that's what I've done. And I really want, our, I believe our church is called to be something greater. We're not better than no other church. You all know that. But I believe that God has called us to a unique place. And we must assume our place. We must lead. Our families need to be strong. I don't want to see kids wrecked families and marriages. I don't want a generations of breakup. How I many you know what I'm talking about? We don't want generations of breakup. I don't want my kids to see that and then they go and they do that and then this thing is passed. I don't want that to happen. And the devil hasn't been tricking the church long enough. We got to stand up for our God. We got to do the right thing.